If you were here last week, you'll know that we began a, a new theme, uh, a series of sorts. It's, it's not going to be all that long, but uh, Scott introduced it to us last week. We're calling it DNA. DNA right there. We got the little strand of DNA with the DNA letters inside it. And speaking of DNA, uh, I, did you hear about the defense attorney uh, did you hear about what he had to tell his client? Okay, I thought you'd want to know. He said, I have good news and I have bad news. He said, first, the bad news. Your blood test came back and your DNA is an exact match with that found at the crime scene. The client said, oh no, what's the good news? The good news, your cholesterol is down to 140. 140. Yeah. I don't know. At the beginning of this new year, we thought we, it would be good for us to take just a few weeks to remind ourselves. And when I say ourselves, I mean uh, uh, our, us as pastors, our leadership team and whatnot, but also to remind you as uh, the fellowship uh, why we exist, why we're even here, why we're on the map. And last week, Pastor Scott did a great job uh, of talking to us about the number one trait of the church. Anybody remember? Come on now. Worship. Number one trait of the church. Now, I use the word trait intentionally. Listen to how trait gets defined. A distinguishing quality or characteristic that has been genetically determined. Again, trait. A distinguishing quality or characteristic that has been genetically determined. This is how I see it. If you have truly embraced Jesus Christ, as your Savior and Lord, the Bible describes that happening as being born again or born from above. That's how the Bible describes it. We didn't, as evangelicals, we didn't come up with that term. Jesus came up with that term, right? So if you genuinely, if you have heart in your heart, not just with your head, but in your heart, you have said, Lord, I am yours. I, 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 I am asking you to forgive me for my uh, despondence. Forgive me for my lack of acknowledging you. Forgive me for my waywardness. I am, I am putting my life in your hands. I want to follow you with my life. If you have done that, what Jesus calls that being born again or born from above. What does that mean? It, it, it means that you have been given new spiritual DNA. Do you all know what DNA is? You get it through. You, 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 it comes through the people who gave birth to you physically. So when we're spiritually born, we are presented with a new strand of DNA. Thank you. Thank you. You're with me now. 
at the top of our traits list of all the things that God is going to do in and through us. At the top of that list is worship. You, sh- you and I should, should ooze worship. We should look like worship. If somebody says, what's the definite worship of, of worship, they should be able to look at our lives and say, that's what worship looks like. It's the number one trait that you and I have been given as a son or daughter of God. Paul said, this is a verse I like. He said in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, in him, in him, we live and move and have our being. Uh, Everything about life is meant to be about worship to him. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head to rest, Lord, I worship you. Whatever I'm doing, wherever I'm, whatever activity I'm engaged in, whether I'm at work or I'm, I'm, I'm caring for kids at home or I'm, 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 whatever, I'm playing volleyball on Wednesday night. I'm worship, my life, I want my life to smell of worship for you. Number one trait, never forget that. But there are some other traits that God has put into the church put into those who are part of the church. And today I'd like to talk to you about another one of those traits. It's the idea of fellowship. Fellowship. Part of my worship of God is to place myself in fellowship with other God worshipers. I'm going to say that one more time. Again, I'm having a hard time hearing myself and it sounds like you're having a hard time hearing me too. So I, uh, uh, is it working? The mic working? All right, all right, here we go. Part of my worship to God is to place myself in fellowship with other God worshipers. Uh, let me show you. It's in our spiritual DNA. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42, it says this. They devoted, now I, I want to I pause there just quickly on they. Who are we talking about? We're talking about initially the 120 so or so people that found themselves in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. All right, just to be clear the, who the they are. So these, uh, these early believers Uh, were people who had gone through the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, had seen Christ alive after uh, after Easter, uh, after resurrection, and had come to that point of of rendering their lives uh, to him, right? So he tells them, you all know the story, it's in Acts chapter 1, he tells them, go to Jerusalem and wait, and I will, I will send to you uh, the Holy Spirit. So they go there, they're hanging out, and uh, some, some phenomenon took place there. And, uh, and it talks about the Holy Spirit descending upon them and, and, and filling not just them, but the, the area they were uh, involved there, uh, filling it all uh, with the third person of the Trinity, right? They were just enveloped 
in the, in the presence of God. So that's who the they are in this moment. They, these early believers, these early spirit-filled believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Fellowship is not a word you hear much outside of Christian circles. Last week, Scott gave us the etymology of worship, which had to do with worth. Today, I'd like to give it to you as it concerns fellowship. Fellow is not some nice guy, okay? That's, that, that's not the way in which we're using it, right? So the word fellow means here sharing in a particular activity, quality, or condition with someone. Sharing in a particular activity, quality, or condition with someone. Ship means, it's, a, it's not about a boat out on, out on the water. It means to be in the state of or condition of. <clears throat> Taken together, fellowship means that I am in the state of sharing in an activity, quality, or condition with others. I'm in this with others. I'm, I'm, I'm participating with others. The Greek word in the New Testament, koinonia, you may have heard that word before, it means the sharing or participation of being in close relationship with people. Simply put, fellowship is the devoted relationship that we can have with one another as Christians. It's based on the common relationship we have with Jesus Christ. When you and I became Christians, three relationships changed for sure. Jesus became our Savior, God became our Father, and the church became our family. Jesus our Savior, God our Father, and the church became our family. Uh, as I'm talking about fellowship this morning, I don't want you to think coffee and donuts. Now, I'm not suggesting that fellowship doesn't take place in that atmosphere, but that immediately when we think fellowship, we either think coffee and donuts or we think potluck. Right? Well, we're having a fellowship dinner, all right? And I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to poo-poo people who use that phrase for such activity. But what I'm suggesting to us this morning is that fellowship is much bigger than coffee or donuts or you know bringing mystery food to a to a banquet, right? Right? It's bigger than that. Fellowship is about the worship of God the work of God, and the will of God being done in the context of doing it with other people. That's the bigger understanding of fellowship. Think for a moment, if you would with me, about the people you know and the relationships you have. All of us in this room here today have family. We have extended family. We have friends, we have acquaintances. Beyond that, many of you in this room here literally have hundreds of other connections via social media. 
Simply put, relationships are a very important aspect of our lives. Today, I'm asking you to see that your relationship with those in the body of Christ is especially important. As Christians, we have become, whether we like it or not, brothers and sisters in the family of God. The Bible gives us this relationship a special distinction beyond mere friendship. That's because these bonds, this bond that Christ is able to create in us and between us, is capable of developing a far greater closeness that far surpasses what we could have without him. Christian relationships are capable of enjoying a depth because of Jesus. Today I want to talk to you for just a moment about three aspects of fellowship. I I, I labeled it this, fellowship why, if you could put that up there. There it is, or why fellowship. I'd like to read to you to start with a passage uh, that I started. I read the first verse, and now I'd like to bounce down just another verse and pick up with that same section in the book of Acts. It says in verse 44 of Acts chapter 2, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The first point that I want to make about fellowship is fellowship can build friendships. When I read this passage right here, I get the impression that the early church was a close-knit group. Now, those who support socialism will often point to these verses I just read to you here to say that what's yours is mine and what's mine, what's, however that works. This is the verse that they point to. Even the church practiced socialism. Well, here's the difference between what I just read to you and a government program or policy. This was, this was being done willingly out of a network of, relationship, uh, of relationships. In other words, people were coming to know Christ. They were coming to know the people who had also come to know Christ. And they're like, I want to be, I want these people to be my friends. And because we are in this, uh, this together, uh, I want, what, if I see my, my family member, right? My brother, my sister in Christ in need, I want to step up and help. It wasn't mandated, it was being done out of choice, out of friendships that had been built. They were all together, it said, and had everything in common. I believe that the reason the early church had such great relationships was because of their intense commitment to Jesus and to each other. If you want to enjoy meaningful friendships like that, you must be willing to commit yourself to fellowship. 
Boy, it got quiet. And that wasn't just my ears either. I could tell. You cannot expect good, healthy, deep relationships to be built if you're not willing to fellowship. Listen, I want to say it again. Fellowship isn't about coffee and donuts. It's not about going to potluck dinners, although those can, those can enhance and, and help you along in your fellowshipping life. It's about the worship of God together, the work of God together, and doing the will of God together. That's what fellowship is about. Fellowship builds friendships, but in order for that to happen, it takes time, energy, and effort. Now, some of you are saying, well, I don't like, I don't, you, you're saying right now, uh, I understand the name of your series is called DNA. And for me, that means as it comes to this, does not apply. <laughs> does not apply. Does not apply. So I, I'm fine without friends. Okay. All right. So take point number one and just, uh, you know, forget it. Point number two, fellowship builds unity. Fellowship builds Amen. unity. Again, when I read, when I look at this passage that I read to you, I see a group of people who are unified. They were together, eating together, doing life together, sharing things that the one had with the other, so forth and so on. They were, they were in this thing together and they were unified. I don't read. Now, now you can go. You can, I can take you to a couple of passages and I think Acts 15 is one of them where a couple people got their nose bent about this, that, and the other thing and, and there were some squabbles, all right? But in this moment, the closest moment that we have to when the Holy Spirit was poured out, these folks were unified. They were together. They were enjoying the fruits of the Holy Spirit in that moment. Now, <clears throat> if, okay, if some of the last words that Jesus preached or prayed before he went to the cross, if some of his last words were about his family, his body being unified, then I would suggest to you this morning that that's an important matter. Lord, Father God, I'm on my way to the cross. This thing is, is we're going to do it. But Lord, I'm praying, in John 17, I'm praying that they would be one, that's a unifying word, that they would be one as you and I are one. Now, if it was important to Jesus, then I think it should be important to us. And if that, was, if that was one of the last prayers that Jesus cried out to his father, then I think you and I should be part of the answer to his prayer. Not part of the problem, not part of the, uh, you know, uh, part of the, uh, uh, you know, the other side. All right, here we go. I want to make clear that unity is not the absence of diversity. 
Biblical unity is about people coming together. This is what Paul said. It's about people coming together, having the same uh, a like-mindedness, but in, in particular terms. A like-mindedness when it comes to loving one another. A like-mindedness when it comes to having the right spirit towards one another. The right spirit in the context of what Paul was writing about is a servant's heart. Philippians 2, Christ, Christ left everything, all his glories of heaven to come and make his abode here with us to serve us, to take on the role of a servant. Paul said, I implore you, I beg you, have the same mind as Christ had. Love one another, serve one another, and as it would concern having the same purpose. The same purpose, the unifying purpose is we want, we want what we do, say, live, how we believe, all that, we want it to glorify God. That is the purpose, that he would be exalted. In another place in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul says this, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Make every effort. You and I are in this verse are being, uh, are being challenged to, uh, to allow nothing to hinder us from striving to keep the unity of the church. I, wanna, I want you to notice, uh, he, says, he says you to keep it. To, to keep it. Um, you and I uh, aren't in the business of creating much, right? Um, we, 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 I know gifted people or creative people, they, you know, they're writing music and they're doing all, art, artists, they're doing all that kind of stuff. And uh, right now I'm building a, I'm trying to build a homemade bird launcher at my house, Right? And you're saying, what in the world is that? Well, that's for another time. Uh, I'm building this bird launcher. And uh, as I'm doing it, I'm having to design it as I go. And so there I am trying to figure out uh, how to do this. And I, and, I, and I feel like there's an aspect of creation in that. But, uh, you know, I've got to have, I got to bend some metal and I got to put some uh, box, I got to build this little box and do this different stuff to make it come together. And as I'm doing it, I'm thinking to myself, I don't make this steel. Uh, I don't make these springs. I don't make this wood. Uh, you, you know, we, 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 we put some stuff together, but... Uh, uh, we don't create much. But here, Paul doesn't use the word create. He says to guard or keep the unity of the Spirit. You and I can't create unity. Uh, boy. You and I cannot create unity. This is, it says clearly here that we are to guard, make every effort to guard or keep the unity that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit creates unity. What you and I should pay attention to is not getting in the way of that. We're not creating it, trying, trying to make it happen. We're trying to make sure the Holy Spirit is able to flow in the way he would like to. <clears throat> the, 
This agreement, this common ground that we're talking about is produced by the Spirit of God. Fellowship builds unity. It did in the early church, and it does now. Here's a helpful axiom or saying in order to help you from, to, to remember how to stay in the right lane. This is a, a right lane axiom. I think I have it for you here on the screen. Go ahead and put that up. This guy by the name of Philip uh, Melanchthon, he was a protege of Martin Luther uh, in the 1500s. And he came up with this little ditty, this axiom, in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, in all things charity. If you can put that to memory, it will help your marriage. <laughs> it will help you in your workplace. It will help you in the church. We're not all going to agree on everything all the time. That's how, uh, nor did they in the early church. But, but they made every effort to protect something that God is, uh, is intent about. It will help you. It will help you. You might want to write it down. That's why I'm pausing here, uh, there, so you can write that down. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. All right. So, I said number one, uh, fellowship has the ability to build close, lasting friendships. But, you know, you're, you, 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 I said, maybe some of you aren't big on having close friendships. Then I would say, number two, fellowship builds unity. And, and I'm, I'm pleading with you this morning, if unity was important to Jesus, then it should be important to us. And we should be looking to maintain. Uh, there, there, is a, there is a psalm. Uh, I don't know if I wrote it here. My, yep, I did. I'll, get, I get, I'll, I'll touch on it, my third point. Number three, fellowship builds God's kingdom. Fellowship builds God's kingdom. One verse I didn't read to you in this same passage, after it says they had everything in common, they were sharing with each other, they continued to meet with each other, they had meals together, they were praising God together, enjoying all the favor, uh, favor of all the people. The very last verse says, listen to what it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. The church went from this fledgling group of 120 people on that day of Pentecost, it said 3,000 joined the church that day. No, it's in the Bible. 3,000. To me, that is the fruit of this Holy Spirit thing that God put on, you know, let loose in that moment. The Holy Spirit, you know, uh, Peter, Peter was the one who preached a little bit at that occasion. And, uh, but if you read what he preached, it, you know, it, it was a good sermon, but it, 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 it certainly shouldn't have uh, caused for that level of growth. I believe, this is what I believe, Psalm 133 says this, that where people dwell together in unity, God pours out his blessing. Where people dwell together in unity, there, it literally says, God commands a blessing. 
It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It says the Lord added to the church. It doesn't say that we added to the church. The Lord added to the church because the Lord finds it pleasurable when you and I live together and, and promote unity, practice unity, uh, there God commands his blessing. <clears throat> when we are loving God well, he pours out his spirit of fruitfulness. Beyond that, our fellowship, the relationship we have with one another in Jesus, is a witness to the world. You know, so God pours out his blessing, and as we find ourselves relating with each other in the proper way, looking to make every effort to make sure we're united, making sure we're not getting in the Holy Spirit's way, uh, you know, of, of, of destroying unity, uh, <clears throat> the Lord sends, sends more in that, more people in his direction. And, and, and when they see it, when people have an opportunity to see it, you know, the world can be a very uh, uh, hate-filled or dog-eat-dog kind of place, right? And when people see other people uh, uh, relating to one another and loving one another, uh, it's also, a, it's also a confirmation of what Jesus also said when he says, by this, they will know you are my disciples, that you love one another. We are to love God, love people, and that starts with the people that I, that I worship with, the people that I put myself in fellowship with. As I said earlier, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, they were devoted to the fellowship. The early Christians were devoted to the idea of fellowship. And what happened? The most significant outgrowth of their devotion to the fellowship was a sense of mission and the joy of seeing people come to know Jesus. When we're all devoted to the fellowship, we have a firmer foundation for God, what God wants to do, not just in us, but through us. A guy by the name of Tertullian, he was an early Christian author in the first, second century. And he offered a statement about what the Romans thought about the Christians. Now remember, there were a lot of Christians being martyred during this period of time. But this is what he wrote about their testimony to what they saw in the early church. This is it. Go ahead, put it up there. Last slide. See how they love one another. They were willing to die for Jesus, yes, but for one another. In a world full of hate and division, what a light it is for the darkness to see when people are actually practicing true biblical fellowship. I'm encouraging you today to take seriously the relationships you have within the body of Christ. And I'm asking you to be intentional about living out this particular aspect of your spiritual DNA 
May we be fully devoted followers, worshipers of God, and may we commit ourselves to the meaningful relationships we are called to have in the body of Christ. I'm asking you to please not use DNA to mean does not apply or I do not attend. (laughs) I realize this morning as I stand here and there may be some people listening online that, that this most applies to. But I realized this morning that sadly in the body of Christ, uh, some yucky things have been said and done. And people have gotten hurt, they've gotten wounded, and, and I can, I've sat with countless people saying, you know, I'm all about Jesus. It's a church I got a problem with. Right? I love Jesus, but I don't like the people I'm related to. <laughs> right? And I understand that. You know, I, I, have been, I have been doing this since I've been two years old. I have seen boardroom fights where a guy literally stood up in a church meeting and threatened to punch the other guy out. It was not subtle. You say that one more time, I'm going to deck you. That was my first board meeting I ever attended. Right? I said, wow, these are kind of fun. This is awesome. Go to a church meeting and a WWF thing breaks out. That's awesome. Cage match. The pastor, I was, I was doing an internship down in the church in Pennsylvania, and, and he says, well, one of the things I'd like you to do is come to, a, come to some of the board meetings we have here in the church. I said, oh, okay. I've never been to one in my life. Grew up in the church, never went to one. First one I went to, they almost duked it out. It was awesome. It was totally awesome. I, maybe because of that experience, I learned early on that we all still have flesh. Hello? We all still have flesh. And sometimes that ugly old flesh can get the best of us any day. You know, part of the thing I like to do once in a while, the first thing in the morning when I'm combing my hair or brushing my teeth and I look in the mirror, yeah, Jeff, you still got flesh. God needs to work on you today again. Right? Listen, Instead of being all butthurt over it, just recognize, re, I don't know, is that right? That, I, I don't know. You all knew what I meant, like you, I never heard that before, you know, yeah, right. Okay. Instead of, instead of being hurt over things, just recognize, recognize. God, by his Holy Spirit, is pouring out unity. And along the way, there will be people who aren't with the program. I don't know how else to describe it to you. They haven't, they haven't, they are not as concerned as Jesus was about unity. So they say things and they do things that are harmful and hurtful. And then people, people get hurt. 
And and then they 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 the whole idea of fellowship is like put out, you know, to pasture. Because they don't like feeling hurt. Who likes to? Who likes to feel rejected? Who likes to hurt? But what I'm telling you is, what I'm telling you, that's exactly, that is exactly how the enemy of the church keeps us weak, tries to keep us fragile, tries to keep us all victimed up, like, oh, I'm a victim. They said that, they did that. Listen, if I practiced that, I'd have quit this thing many years ago. But I recognize what it is. I have a greater burden for unity and making every effort to keep that than some others do. That's okay. I'm going forward. I want to take every ounce of blessing that God wants to pour out. And I know in order to do that, I got to stay connected with my family. Bridge, you got something. Okay. This doesn't happen ever, okay? Um, I felt like I was supposed to share this last week when I was on worship and didn't do it. Um, so um, this is the scripture God gave me at the beginning of this new year, and I just keep being um, led back to it. So 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. <clears throat> Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not, does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him, and he is in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. 
Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Stand with me if you would, please. Lord, because we are your children and we have our we have your DNA pulsating through our our heart, Lord. Um I'm praying particularly in this area that we're focusing on here this morning, one of the traits that you feel very strongly about. Uh, I pray that uh, we here at Pioneer Christian Fellowship would look a lot like you in this way. And Lord, I can't help but want to pray for those who have tried to engage in this relationship that we're describing here today and somewhere along the way they got either rejected or hurt or I pray for their healing Lord I pray that they could get over their pain their frustration and I'm asking Lord that we would be good keepers of your spirit we come here from week to week, and this morning, I didn't know what was going to be sung by the worship team, but we come often and we say, pour your spirit out, Lord. And truly, that is our uh, the cry of our hearts, Lord, pour your spirit out. But this morning, I'm, I believe you have poured your spirit. I, I believe you are pouring your spirit out. I believe you will yet pour more of your spirit out. But Lord, help us, help us not to quench that by the things that we get entrenched in trying to, those desires within each of us that can conflict with others, Lord. Help us to find ways of navigating our way through that. Still like, like that man said, Lord, uh, charity in all things charity in all things in essentials unity in our differences liberty but charity in all things lord help us we we want to be good at this in jesus name i pray amen i i want to pray this as kind of a blessing out the door an out the door blessing to you it's found in first peter Chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you might inherit a blessing. <laughs>